Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, folks. You're so glad you tuned in tonight to this week's version of Raising Expectations. And uh, we hope we've uh, going to be able to lift your expectations tonight, give you some more hope. We realize that through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, all things are possible and life becomes exciting. You know, when you don't know the Lord, it's like being an unsharpened pencil. There's just no point to being around. Heard that from Billy Graham, and I never forget it. So as we start in tonight, we've got a great program for you. We've got some special guests. You're going to see them in just a few minutes here, and we'll be ready to roll. We always introduce uh, who we are. Again, you know, I'm Pastor Joe Schofield, and uh, it's a pleasure to know a lot of you, but it's really a greater pleasure to introduce you to our co-host team, some of the greatest people you'll ever meet in this world. They bless my life, as I tell you each week, because they are a godsend for me. I want to introduce you first across the nation. Our team covers and spans the nation. We begin on the West Coast in Lompoc, California. (laughs) I got it, guys. Did you see that? Lompoc, California, near Santa Barbara. We have Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired pastor, a theologian, a professor. He is loved by countless people, and he's been my friend for over 50 years now, and we're both only 39, so that's really something to pull off, isn't it? But you're going to enjoy getting to know Paul more each week. He is a theologian who theologues all weeks. We get the benefit of those theologues, and you'll see what we're talking about in just a little bit. Glad you're here, Paul. Love you, brother. It's good to see you. All right. And also, as we go to the East Coast, that's all the way to my right. As we head from across the nation, we go to the state of Georgia. There in Dalton, Georgia, we have Stephanie and Dr. Craig Fair. Stephanie, as I shared with you last week, is a health and wellness coach. She's an entrepreneur, a business leader. She is a first-class All-American Christian mom. She's got two great kids, and uh, and uh, she, what a story. We could tell you some great stories about those boys. They are top of the line. And one just turned 16. We were excited about that, cheering you on last week. And you're still with us. You made it. That's great. Amen. And Craig, Dr. Thayer is a specialized surgeon. He is one of those trauma guys that there's an accident. He knows how to take care of you. And he's the one I want to take care of me if anything ever happens. Besides that, he's also a nutrition specialist, just like Stephanie. And they team up. They team up. I don't want to say sound corny, but I tell you what, they are the dynamic duo. When it comes to your health and relationship with Christ, they're the two people you want to talk to. So if you're anywhere on the East Coast, you get a hold of the Thayers. You can find them on our website. Find us all right on there. Click on there and communicate with us. So then when we come back from Georgia, we go to Central America, which is the great state of Texas. 
In fact, we have not only our guests from Central America, Texas tonight, but we have our the illustrious Pastor Ron Greer, who is our friend. He's a great guy. You're going to love getting to know Ron. Ron has done just about everything in life. He's a great speaker. He works with the the man in the mirror. Uh, Paul and I tried that. When we looked in the mirror, we scared ourselves, but somehow he gets away with it. He works with man in the mirror, builds the discipleship of men, and grows them to be, hopefully through Christ, all they can be for their community, for their children, for their families, but most of all to walk with the Lord. Ron's a great man of God. We love you too, Ron. We're glad you're here. All right, so that's our team. Pretty diverse and fun group of people. We have a great time. Now let's go stay right in the state of Texas where we are. And uh, we have one of our favorite guys in Texas coming back. And it was by your request. We have with us Pastor Will Hobbs from Midland, Texas. He's associate pastor there at Kelview Heights Baptist Church. Followed Will for many, many years. Had the privilege of working with him. We did some great things together. Didn't get in trouble too much at the time, just enough so they couldn't find us. But Will and I had a great time. Will is doing a wonderful job there, and he has a special guest. So what we're going to do tonight, because we want to talk about, of course, lifting our faith up in Christ and realizing God's with us and how that fits into all of our lives in so many different ways. But also, we want to talk tonight about one of the things going on in our nation is uh as you could tell, what's the, the inflation, the cost of things going up? What does oil have to do with it? How does oil fit into it? And what are some of the things that we're learning that most likely may not be correct or may come from a political slant, which may not give the greatest insider wisdom? We want to know what's going on for three reasons. One, so we can really pray. Two, so that we can make a difference in helping others. And three, so that we can thank God for knowing that he's in control and he's got this thing taken care of. So I want to introduce you. We want to give the famous welcome, which we're still waiting for our special drum and applause track, but don't worry, it's coming. In the meantime, we're not worried. Stephanie's back with us tonight. So Will Hobbs introduced Jerry to us tonight, and let's welcome Jerry and Will to Praise and Expectations. Good to have you here, gentlemen. Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) Appreciate it. Yeah, um, good to be back on here again. Joe, thank you so much. All the co-hosts love you guys and and glad to talk with you this evening. It's awesome. Yeah, I've got my buddy Jerry West. So we go to church together, met him. Great man of God. He loves Jesus. A good brother of mine. And we um, we've done some discipleship ever since. Oh, and here's my my daughter has to find her way to sneak her way on every night. I did not put her up to this. Oh, go find mama. And, uh, and so he, he works in the oil course. We live right in the middle of oil, right. in the Permian basin in West Texas, but he works in oil and that'd be great to bring him on and just look at this question of oil. What's really going on. Cause a lot of people think there are price inputs and things that affect the oil market when maybe they don't. A lot of times people aren't aware of things that really, really do affect oil markets. Uh, and they're just unaware completely. Uh, so I wanted to bring him on where he could speak a little bit to this issue, um, answer a few questions. So, Jerry, if you want to, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself to us and tell us a little about yourself. I guess your family as well. You've obviously got your your wife's name on there, Brandy. But so his wife's name is Brandy. Y'all know that. No, I, didn't, I just <laughs> noticed that. No, you're good, man. No, tell we, us a little we just about noticed yourself, it also. Buddy. No one saw it. Yeah, you go. <laughs> Well, Brandy, Brandy's my first wife, but uh, <laughs> my only wife, but my first wife. Um, yeah, so thanks, guys, for having me on. I hope um, I could answer some of you guys' questions, hopefully. 
intellectually, but uh, my name is Jerry West. Um, I've lived here in Midland for about eight or nine years now. Um, I've got a beautiful family, uh, my wife, Brandy, and then two children, um, a son that's nine. He's at a baseball game right now. And then my daughter, that's six. So um, I, I believe I'm going to plug this. Uh, Will discipled me seven years ago, right when we first kind of right. got established in our church at, at Kelview Heights. So anyways, All but, right. uh, he's been a great friend. And, and um, anyways, he's done so much for me and my family. Amen. Uh, we're forever indebted to him. So, Amen. Good guy. so this was uh, the first stop after the your retirement from LA Lakers or is this? Uh... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I don't believe I would have uh, landed in Midland, Texas. In okay. All right. That's, uh, you know, second career path. I probably. I'm a Dallas Fort Worth guy. So I'd probably be close to that. I'm, I'm sorry. That was an old guy joke. Sorry. We were talking about it too. Paul and I were. Yeah. I mentioned it to Jerry. That was good. Ron. Two-handed under and had a free throw. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of a lot of my friends call me um, the logo. My nickname the logo? is the logo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so Jerry so, Jerry works with Delic. I don't know if you guys uh, know who that is. Delic yeah. is if, if Jerry, you want to tell us just a little bit about that and what you do with Delic. Yeah, so so Delic, I work for Delic U.S. Holdings. Um, we're a refining business, a midstream business. Um, we have four refineries across the U.S., uh, two here in Texas, um, one in Arkansas, and, and one in Louisiana. And um, I do all the crude oil trading for, uh, for Dell. So I supply all, the, all of our refineries with crude oil and then also do the uh, trading around the uh, market hubs as well. So, so Dell just does refining, not drilling and defining. That's correct. Re- re- refining. Just the refining okay. aspect right. of it. That's correct. Right. Yeah. So. Israeli so one question company. is, uh, is, is Midland still as busy and crazy and fast as it was? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, oh, okay. yes. It, <laughs> okay. it, uh, it, it seems to never slow down, you know. Mm. Uh, but it's kind of a good I, thing, I, I think, right? Yeah, it, it's a good okay. thing. You know, sometimes you want the transients to maybe go home for a little while. <laughs> you, you, know, you run into them at the grocery store and go out to eat with the family. But uh, <laughs> That's a good thing. For <laughs> Saturday night, you're kind of busy. That's when all the lights come on, right? Saturday night lights, right, Will? That's, that's Friday night lights. Friday night lights. Whoops, see there? I'm back to college. Whoops. Oh, they off. Permian Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> right. And ladies and gentlemen, you meant transient workers, not transient bums. You know, just the people. That, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, right. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question because I don't know really anything about the oil industry. I just know that if you go work on a ship out in the ocean, you can make a lot of money and it's really hard work um, and people don't last very long. So I feel like the costs aren't really related to the things that we're told on the news, you know. So if you could explain a little bit from your viewpoint, what really is impacting the cost that we see as consumers? Other than Putin, of course, but you you mean specifically at like the gas pump? Yeah, yes. yeah. What right. it translates to us, what and why? Yeah, why, why the right Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, the oil market is a very efficient market. So, the um, the fundamentals of the oil market are very interwoven into the supply and demand of um, of of global 
different global variables, I guess you'd say. So um, it's a very tight market. Inventories are low uh, from a crude perspective, from a natural gas perspective, from a flex perspective. You know, inventories across the entire globe are uh, almost always see an immediate impact here in the state. You know, you've got Russia going on and um, uh, war, which uh, you've got several countries across the U.S. We didn't hear very much. <laughs> yeah. we'll again. Let's do that again. It's that the, uh, the markets are, are tight. And then from that point on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so did, did we, did we, did you guys hear me about Russia? Not much. Or, we, no. we heard Russia, but nothing else. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, so markets are tight. You know, inventories are at you know pretty much all time lows from a from the crude perspective to a products, which is you know your gasoline, jet fuel, diesel, etc., and then also from a natural gas standpoint. So, any any movement, any hiccup in the global supply um, is going to have a massive impact almost immediately here in the states. Mm-hmm. So. The Russian-Ukraine war right now, you know, with all these countries sanctioning Russian crude, you know, completely doing away with Russian crude, no longer being markets for that specific barrel, has caused some some extreme tightness in the crude market, which almost has immediate effect. So it is, um, it's just essentially a very tight market. And then, so in addition to that, you have... um, one one big thing from a uh, not just from a production from a crude standpoint, but from a refining standpoint, with the increased, uh, uh, I mean, with with the limited amount of natural gas supply on the market right now, natural gas has just exploded, especially in Europe. I mean, prices are at all time high on natural gas, right? So what that is then causing is these refineries to then shut down and stop refining the crude, thus mm-hmm. making the products, causing the, uh, I guess, exacerbating the shortage in uh, the product yield because you now have refineries that are offline. Not only do you have, you know, crude that's been taken out of market, you also have refineries that have started mm-hmm. to, to shut down just due to sheer cost of natural gas to run those specific refineries. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then here locally, um, you know, I mean, it, the the crude market is a worldwide market, right? But here locally, um, there's this there's this um, push to whether it's you know Wall Street pushing these these big oil companies, you know, plug in whatever major oil company you want um, to return cash flow to his investors. So. They're, they're basically saying, hey, we don't want you to drill. We don't want you to spend the money that you were spending. We want you to now produce and create cash flow and return that cash to the investors. So you kind of you have that pressure from from Wall Street and their investors and financiers. And uh, so that's kind of a, a few of the things that are causing um, the elevated gas prices. And unfortunately, because the market is so tight, one of two things either has to happen. We either have to go into a global recession or some, there has to be some 
some sort of demand destruction because the supply is not going to catch up. So whether that's you know continuing gas prices to be at four dollars to then limit consumption and limit the demand side um, to where supply can catch up, mm-hmm. or you hopefully not, which is ever, everyone is you know you know hoping does not happen is a global recession, which then will uh, bring on demand destruction to kind of balance the market back out. I know that's kind of a very high level explanation. No, I don't know good. if that. Answers well, y'all's I, questions. Well, I have two questions uh, uh, based on those, right? So, number one, uh, about how much, what percentage of oil uh, is coming out of Russia for us? I mean, 5%, 7 10% of our market, how much is that? And number two, <clears throat> can you explain to us why the, the market is so tight, where any little adjust, adjustment sort of impacts everything else? Yes. Yeah, so. I honestly don't know that exact number. If I had to guess, it would it it's a very minimal mm-hmm. uh, amount of volume that was being supplied from Russia to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think if you said our um, the U.S.'s consumption was twenty million barrels a day, I think our Russian supply source would be maybe five hundred thousand barrels of that. Um, I don't have the exact numbers on that, but it's not as drastic as one would think. Right. Um, and and no, nowhere near as drastic as the politicians want us to think. Right. That's right. that's correct. But when right. you're in a tight market, you know, that's that is a huge movement. Right. Right. The, right. the U.S. cannot, you know, increase production by half a million barrels a day overnight. And yeah. uh, especially with the, you know, downward pressure that Wall Street has given these big oil companies to mm. essentially not drill, uh, or at least at the levels that they once were. A right. lot of the, the drilling today is being funded and um, done by your privately held companies mm-hmm. that aren't held to the same, you know, expectations as your, you know, your majors or your mm-hmm. publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. And now, what was the why, why, why is now why is that market always so tight for uh, in the oil, oil market there? Well, I would say if if you leading up to COVID, it was not a tight market; it was a surplus mm-hmm. market. Okay. Um, so leading up to COVID, you didn't see as drastic of movement, you know, mm. extreme volatility in crude pricing um, because there was a surplus. Mm. Um, it was a, a market that was in surplus. Um, but, you know, to piggyback what happened in um, 2020 uh, with the, the uh, pandemic, um, that brought a an absorbent amount of crude oil offline. There was, um, I can't remember what the actual number was back then in, in April of 2020, but I want to say U S production was hovering around 13 million barrels a day leading up until that point. Mm-hmm. And then post post April, 2020, they got down to the 5 million. So you're talking 60% drop in wow. production immediately. And that production just doesn't come back um, instantaneously. It's not just turn it off, turn it back on. Right. Yeah. So that's, so then that is leading to this. So that fortunately we had a surplus going into COVID. You had demand destruction going into COVID, but now as we're coming out of this pandemic, we still have this shortage that we're trying to make up from the effects of that pandemic. All right, so doing, so COVID comes around, people stop working and driving, the demand goes way down, they get rid of the surplus, 
And then when the demand comes back, they can't catch up with that shortage again. Yeah. And then, okay. then piggyback that with what's going on. Okay. All right. With the, with the rest has been taken out of us. Okay. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> In our biggest supply country, Jerry, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it right that it's um, other than ourselves is, is Canada. So a very small portion comes from Russia, but we get a lot of our crude from Canada. Is that correct? That's, That's right. right. That's right. Not, yeah. not a absorbent amount. Yeah. Definitely our largest supplier. And that's that's through the pipelines that we that we've heard so much about. Pipelines and rail. We still okay. got quite a bit of rail coming in from Canada, but that's correct. Feel real? Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You have long term <laughs> deals and you have uh yeah, you, you wanna I'll I'll say in my opinion. It's, uh, I won't listen on this show. Different, it's okay to have show. an opinion. Sure, it's okay on this show. You <laughs> You're the right people. We're still doing real. Different different show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, so what's the what's the pregnant prognosis here? I mean, what's the what's what's your take on the next eighteen twenty four months here? Or well, well, I say might say three years given the current uh, political climate. But <laughs> well, maybe I can make my comments. Um, but uh, um, it, it, there's little there's little that we can do at this point to um, prevent a hundred dollar crude oil. To be honest with you, there there has to be some sort of of demand destruction. Um, so I would say that we're probably looking at now. I don't think that we can. Hold, we're already starting to see the demand destruction um, even today. I think if you took the four week average, it doesn't look like there's much demand destruction. But if you take the, a snapshot of the last two weeks, there definitely is. Um, I think we're starting to see that. But I think my personal opinion is, you know, if you equate it to the gas pump, we're going to continue to see four four dollar gasoline for a little while. That's the national average at national average, about four, or, or are you talking about, and that means six What's or right? eight in California. Well, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, not, yeah, say not in California, like the rest yeah. of the real world. Taxes <laughs> are involved too. I honestly don't know. I'm on the crude side, so I, I'm not sure what the national average is on the, on the product side, but. Hey, yes. cigarettes don't cost that much either. It's taxes. That's yeah. Taxes. yeah. So exactly. government plays a role. you begging on California, don't you know that we all just love to throw our money down empty holes? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you a really funny thing. Just about an hour ago, I got a call from my neighbor and he said, uh, he said, hey, Paul, uh, down at the Exxon station right now, gas is down to four dollars and forty three cents a gallon, which is a dollar less than you're paying everywhere else. And he said, I, I asked I asked the guy working, you know, why is it four forty three? Why is it so cheap? Boy, is that great. <laughs> And and the and the answer was I don't know. My boss just said just drop the prices and help these people out for a bit, you know. Mm, so wow, you're down wow. to four dollars and forty three cents wow. at one gas station. And wow. then uh, my neighbor, his name is Packy. Packy says, but you better hurry. There's a huge line oh, uh, going around the gas station. Right. And yeah. I'm thinking, you know, the feudal kind of thing. Well, this, uh, Jerry, this I, I, makes- I, I, go ahead. This guy makes me feel awful. I uh, they misprinted it at the. I drive a diesel truck uh, um, at the gas station across the street. 
Uh-huh. And they had instead of four seventy three, they had it at three seventy three. Uh oh! And I f- felt it was my duty to tell them, "Hey, I think your pricing is wrong." But not till after I filled up my truck. Of course. Well, <laughs> so, now you're making me feel awful. No, no, no. Well, uh, you were no. doing so well that doing so well, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Just took a nosedive. Let's suppose. Let's suppose. You know, I I, I think. I don't know any. I don't know a whole lot about you know oil and how all that works and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I do get a sense sometimes when there's an elephant in the room. Okay, mm-hmm. and when we look, when we when if if I were to ask a, you know, Jerry, I heard you respond to this just a while ago. Let's suppose that, let's suppose that the war was uh, brought to some kind of level point anyway. And let's suppose that the restrictions were pulled off, which I doubt that that personally doubt that will ever happen. But let's suppose that the restrictions were pulled off. How long would it take the U.S. oil industry to ramp up uh, to where where we could be? Uh, I think the phrase was energy independent. And is that even a thought anymore that we could be that way? And and how long would is that a fair question? How long would it take us as an industry? an American industry to ramp up to where we could meet the needs and of the, of our country and, and other countries. Okay. I, I don't know that answer. I would say that um, based off Ron's comment, I, I don't think that would happen under this administration. Right. Um, I think there's, there's so many pressures from Washington and, um, and also, you know, wall street for that matter that uh, is essentially telling these guys that we want higher prices for longer. We don't want you guys to go out and produce mm-hmm. and drill. Cause it's, it's, it's incredibly expensive to drill producing. Well, like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear all these comments about, well, you've got 3,900 leases that can be drilled you know, that, that, that operators are not drilling on or whatever the number may be, you know, why aren't they drilling on it? Well, it's $10 million a well. Right. Right. Um, And then in addition to that, you've got an administration that's not willing to um, do what? Lift those restrictions, right? Lift those restrictions. And then also commit to saying, okay, if you drill these allotted wells that you have permitted, um, we will then allot you X amount of more permits. Right. And this is my personal opinion. So mm-hmm. if I'm a producer, if I'm an operator, that's the ones actually drilling and producing the crude oil. Why would I go drill up these allotted permits when I know under this administration and potentially future administrations, I may not have access to that acreage or I may not have access to, to mm-hmm. those permits five years down the road in order yeah. to drill. I'm, I'm trying to build a business that is a lasting business and I'm trying to, you know, look 20, 30 years from now, not 30 days from now. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, it would definitely have to take, it would definitely take a, um, an administration change. There's, there's no doubt about that. Unfortunately. Well, well, another question that raises, um, now, so the federal government has to grant the permits in order for them to drill. Uh, does the federal government regulate how much you can actually produce produce per well for a certain period of time, or are you just free to produce as much as you want? So you have, no, this is outside of my realm, but um, you have 
you have federal land mm. and then you have state-owned land. So like here in Texas, the Railroad Commission, um, they're the ones who issue the permitting mm. here in Texas. Mm. And there was some talks around, I think it was 2018, no, 2019, 2020, about them actually restricting what was actually being produced on a per well okay. basis. But yeah. I don't think that ever went through from okay. the Texas okay. side. I'm not sure, okay. honestly, from a federal level. Uh, but most of those, those federal lands are going to be your, you know, New Mexico, well, your Colorado, New Mexico, mm-hmm. North Dakota, um, and not here specifically in, in Midland, right. part of the Permian Basin, but not specifically here in, right. in West Texas. So when so, Jen Saki in the White House talks about uh, they have these permits, they can go ahead and drill. Uh, again, that's not something that's going to happen like next week or next month or they're producing right. all these barrels of oil. That's, that's, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. That's correct. Wow. If that's, if that's the way it looks now, piggybacking with Ron there on that question, and it certainly looks like with this administration, you know, we don't even want to think about some of the things, but I have a question. I think a lot of people ask me, can you give us any sight insight on the reserve? We're talking about the oh. reserve. They hit the reserve big. If, we're looking at a thinking of a duration of time and this, that, and the other. Can you give us any idea how the reserve works down at Isgis in Houston, I guess, down there? Yeah, it's it's strategically across the U.S. Um, but um, so they did do a major, you know, release of 180 million barrels or, or whatever right. it was. Um, um, hmm. <laughs> It's just a speculation. I don't want to put you in a corner, but just we can. I mean, we got enough to get through the administration, I guess. I'm saying. Just there's enough to hold on to there for a while. People ask me, I say, I really don't know. That's not my area. I, I would say that that release has already been priced into the environment that we're in. So it had minimal, if any, impact to the crude markets. Oh, so great media, about, media impact, though. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're talking, you're talking a world that consumes 90 to 100 million barrels a day, right? Wow. And you just released wow. 100 million barrels. Wow. So just very short term relief. And, and they're yeah. do they're, you know, from the bearish side of, of the market, they're, they're doing some things that mm. like the SPR release. Um, they're also doing um, E15. Um, they're extending that, which is, you know, at 15% ethanol, but unfortunately that's such a small market that it's, it doesn't have much of an impact anyways. Mm. Um, one thing they're not doing is they're not granting, um, small, which affects my, our business, because uh, we operate small refineries is small refining exemptions. Um, but, uh, anyways, I, I don't, I'm not a specialist on the reserves, but I do know that that release has already been priced in and it, it, mm. it just has minimal impact. Mm. What would that small exemption do for you? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Stephanie. No, go ahead. Jerry wasn't done. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a mom. It's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I have boys, so I'm used to that. Um, are you back, Jerry? I think the internet went quiet for you. Oh, I noticed you that. He's frozen. So I cut him off when he was frozen. So it was perfect. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, Gary, you're back. Um, you mentioned 
how not having exemptions for the smaller uh, refineries impacted you. Could you explain that to me? Can, can you hear me, guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So, so Delic specifically, um, we have refineries that are not necessarily um, economical refineries without some sort of, of exemption, small refinery exemption. Uh, it's basically a tax credit. Um, therefore, and, and this administration has rejected that, that exemption for small refineries. Um, therefore, it has caused a lot of these small refineries to shut down or, if anything, reduce runs, so reduce processing abilities. Um, Delic has elected to continue to operate those and run them at full capacity, um, but it does have a financial impact to us. And I don't want to speak for Delic, but I, long term, it would not be. Um, beneficial for those those areas of the country uh, where our small refineries exist. Mm. I'm kind of skating around it. Okay. You know what? The internet. Oh, but, uh, back. I hope that kind of. Essentially, they are very. The internet literally like froze you at the points where you would probably say what we thought you were going to say. Exactly. So God just covered you. He said no. That's right. God had it covered Perfect. for you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, boy. you so, so, so I guess in my, I guess in my. Uh, I guess my sort of uh, take on it is if you don't allow the small refineries, uh, these, the incentives they, they need to keep producing, then in essence, they stop producing, which so in essence, you indirectly cut the production of oil or processing of oil then, which, okay. It, which, which, which uh, if you got a, your green new deal calls for less, like that helps sort of. That helps them. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the countering. Like it, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The I was actually going to ask the same is thing. Is, is this oh. administration, they're, they're doing that because they really don't want more production coming out of here. But, but in my mind, that should be a later step. If we want less production of oil, we are oil dependent. Then let's work and incentivize for other technologies and different things to come along. We don't just cut it off when that's what we're dependent on because I mean, it's exactly. crushing our neighbors, you know? They can't afford to go to work. Exactly. Yeah, so that's absolutely right. I didn't get a Tesla. They don't worry about the gas price at all. Then. <laughs> I do have a Tesla, and he laughs at me. I'm not getting one. They're not big really? in Georgia. Today, Corvette announced they're going to come out with an electric car. Uh, <laughs> I, okay, this is a 200 miles an hour. This is a very <laughs> argument. Hey. I, I'm just well, I'm not Tesla. I, I just think they're a good-looking car. I don't care that they're electric, whatever. <laughs> He's had a Corvette forever, and then today they announced that they're going to make an electric one. And I said, "Are you going to get an electric car before me? Because this is not acceptable." <laughs> they're ahead of me. I'm just getting into electric toothbrushes, so I'm they're way ahead of me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you know what's scary to me is, and you think the world, especially the United States, would realize this. Currently, we're going the way of lithium technology for our electrical power. You know where we get like 90-something percent of our lithium? China. Mm -hmm. So they will be dominant over 
you know, the weak, weak link in the, ch- in the chain that we can't. I mean, they, they destroyed the car industry with not giving, you know, little microfish flash technology for cars. So what do you think they're going to do with lithium? Well, so on, top we of the fact China, on top of the fact, China isn't held to the same carbon emissions and constru- right. pollution and things as we've given them a break on top of that. So that's sort of just piled on. But Ron, don't you know that if if we do it, all the other countries will follow suit? That's right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, again, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's these discussions, and the more you dig and dig and dig, you realize just how wicked this sort of mentality and philosophy is. You know, it's yeah. you know, and you know, what from my perspective, um, high gas prices is irritating and you know, inconvenience for me. But, you know, I can we can make it work. Right. Cuts here and there. But I have multiple relatives. I mean, they live in inner city areas who are poverty stricken and two or three dollars. in a, uh, I mean, just a dollar for a gallon or two dollars a gallon is Mm -hmm. devastating to them. Uh, And there's no such thing as, well, buying a more efficient car, because the idea of buying a car, period, is something that's sort of a long term and sometimes impossibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, hope nobody's watching my family. I have a niece <laughs> whose car was parked at my brother's house for probably nine, 10 months mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, I can't afford to drive it. And, and mm-hmm. if you're in areas where, unfortunately, and it's, it's another satanic thing, the people who they continually elect are people who continually give them promises about what they're going to give them and do for them. Sure. But the very same people are the people who are opposed to the things like, for instance, lower gas prices because mm-hmm. they want them to ride public transportation, which is in some cases as expensive as get, buying gas for them. But mm-hmm. it, it's not made. It's not designed to benefit them. It's benefiting the folk who are on the other end of it. Exactly. So, so this 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 yeah. crisis for my for, again, some of my relatives ha- has gone from just a simple inconvenience. I mean, to a major crisis. Yes. And then you combine with that, which is another horror in my mind. I have nieces and nephews who just stopped working because they couldn't, it didn't make sense to go to work. And then the federal government turned it around and give them more money mm-hmm. not to work. And it's it just gutting. They're, they're gutting the work ethic. It's you know, tearing up communities and families. And so, which is why you see a place like Milwaukee, I mean, just a number of those things have, have come together to create this this disaster where mm-hmm. you have now just my zip code where I'm from. They had a 95 percent increase in gun and gun violence in one year. Ninety five percent. It's and, and that's just the gun violence. Uh, the drug overdoses and drug uses had skyrocketed. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's just one thing on top of another. So, you know, it, when we talk about the, the impact of gas prices, it, that's just mm-hmm. one aspect of the, this sort of long line of, of, of destruction that takes place. Uh, so it's, it's, it's truly a wicked thing. It really is. And Ron, you know, the other thing that some people don't talk about is it's not just the price of the pump. I mean, I we didn't have time to go into that yet, but right. Right. there's yes. so many the food that's at your grocery store yes. that got yes. there by a semi that runs on diesel. Yes. Uh, Yes. Multiple products that are produced by petroleum, plastics, things like that. Yes. And so yes. 
that's feeding into partly feeding into this. Yeah. I don't have the number in front of me. Was it eight and a half percent inflation this year that they yeah, something like that? That's right. so feeding far. into that number. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, think, the, I think most people don't. I mean, that's that's other scary thing. But the vast majority of the population has no clue how the petroleum industry ties into exactly. so many, multiple things exactly. in their lives. Yeah. So they just mm-hmm. sort of ignore the stories when they hear those things without thinking about, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is going to have an immediate impact on my, my, my life, my budget, my family. It's, and it's not, you know, this lagging effect. It's, you know, prices go up because I'm, I gotta, I'm going to raise my prices anticipating, you know, this lack down the line by a dollar 50 a gallon. So I have to raise it now. Otherwise I won't be making money. And I mean, just a sidelight. I have a friend that owned a gas station. I was shocked, you know, 20 years ago when I found out the margin he makes on, on selling gas. It's like he had this, this he, he went over, uh, had this nightmares of selling things in the store. I'm going, forget about the stuff in the store. Just sell the gas. He goes, I can't make money just selling gas. You brought up the price of the pump. It's always amazed me that an entire city probably, you know, a state, overnight, somehow everybody at a gas station knows what price to put up. How does that happen? I mean, do they call each other? What are you wearing today? And what's the price of your gas? I don't know that answer, but I would say that the, uh, the price of products are set daily. Yeah. Right. And your your corner gas station does not have a month supply. They've got probably a eighteen hour supply, right? Yeah. And that's why it's they're wow. constantly going back to the rack. Loading well, I was going to say with the the short supply. So we moved across the country from California to Georgia last summer, and he drove one of our cars. We have a dog, and we have a lot of ammunition, and those two things don't get transported you. well. Well. <laughs> Ron here, it's, you know, so we keep collecting more. So anyway, um, he's driving and then the pipeline was hacked or something when he was doing the drive. And so we, he was maybe in Texas or you might've been to Louisiana. And I said, you have to fill up every half gallon. If you can't get gas, you can't leave that city. So it was this weird situation where in the past, we've always had like 40 gallons of gas at home. We have lots of gas now here to store just in case there's some weird emergency. But when, when you have that situation, what do you do? Ron's like, don't tell your secrets. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Don't tell me. It's true. Expect the unexpected, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, and Joe, we do Dave Ramsey's class at our church financial piece. So maybe at some point we could do a budgeting, seriously, margin episode. Because when you have no margin in your financial yeah. life, yeah. Um, inflation is, is I don't yeah. want to use that word, um, is really, really bad. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's more detrimental. It's incon- If you have a little bit of margin, it's an inconvenience. And so, yeah. well, you know, I go so back well, to my, my, my relatives on both sides. Uh, yeah, I, Kind of per- this is probably personal information, but just on my wife's side of the family and my side of the family, uh, just just the siblings my age, there's probably forty people. And out of on one on my side of the family, me and my brother under me, the only brother left now, right, are the only ones our age on this side of the family that actually can be considered uh, middle class income. On my wife's side of the family. 
there's only two others out of all the relatives. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, inflation is, is a devastating thing and you watch them. And, and that's one of my, and if my nephews could hear this, Bill, they would start laughing. Why? Because Uncle Ronnie is always talking about margin. You have to mm. margin in your life, margin in your finances. You can't just live paycheck to paycheck. And yeah. nope. And they always think you're crazy because like, I, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that. They so miss one we, the Bible has the answers. The Bible we, has the principles. So yeah. we, we taught FPO financial piece from Dave Ramsey. We took it. It changed our lives 12 years ago. We've Amazing. done lots of podcasts about what a mess we were. Um, our kids live by all those principles. We would teach it at food distribution to lower income families. And by the way, if you are not living within a budget or you don't know where you're at, two pastors recently had Dave Ramsey. So Stephen Furtick has Elevation Church. Michael Todd has Transformation Church. And um, Michael Todd lives in Oklahoma, not in great areas. And he encourages you, you have to get this under control. So look those up for sure. It will definitely change your life. Yes, total money makeover. And I don't talk about this a lot, but we have a very large team that health coaches with us. And we talk about health is all kinds of things, including finance. And one of the gals was asking me what the first step was. And I said, you have to save a thousand dollars for an emergency. And then she told me their gas budget, because they're very rural, Northern California is $1,700 because they have, they have a diesel truck. It's 45 minutes to get into town. Yeah. Wow. I said, that is unacceptable. So we talked through, I mean, it is killing even just what would be middle class. They can't handle it. Well, my, and my, I have my niece uh, who drives 45 to 50 minutes to work um, and back. The gas is her largest part of her budget. She almost, she spends probably about a third or more of her income, but she lives in the inner city. And there are no jobs that can uh, that's worth anything. So she has to drive all the way out to the suburbs every day, mm-hmm. or ride by. And there's no public transportation. So it's like she, you get someone like her who says, "Well, I'm I'm just trapped, and I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I can't save if I if I have to spend it." And and it's you, it's heartbreaking conversation they have with them uh, because she go, "Okay, so you know where does she cut it from? What is it's oh, it's amazing." So the things like that, when they hear gas prices start, I mean, going high, I mean, she literally cries yeah. because it's, it, you know, she's, it's like she's trapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, all that. To yeah, we'll do that. Will that sounds good. We'll have a good shot. They're ready to roll with you on that one. That'll be a good one. So but I was, I was just thinking back. In fact, you brought up a couple of the questions that Will and I had talked about. It was great. Will, you just hit them. We we got just a little bit here, but um could you share, I mean, if we have a mom in the room, maybe you could bring up a little bit, Jerry, about and Will together. All the things, truly a quick shot, even corn ethanol. I saw the head of the farmers union or a corn union somewhere in Iowa sharing how it's devastating them. And then somebody had the great idea, right, Ron, that they just put that in the gas and spread it out. He says, how we get that to you? He says, we can't even do it. Maybe maybe you have some idea about uh, how it does affect us. We'll mention some. Maybe you two could give us just a word on that because because we're going to pray about these things. It gives us some insight on how to pray. I mean, you're talking about plastic. You're talking about gas food shipped, right, Will? We talked about, we're talking about uh, what petroleum is used to create and to make things that we don't even think about. Could you address some of those possibly? Will, Will, 
Will. Yeah, I, I wish I had. Oh, uh, man, I wish oh I had just that. off our head, like we talked about. <laughs> we talked about uh, plastic. We talked about clothing. We talked about uh, mm-hmm. fuel getting the shipped, food shipping. Yeah. Um, what, what, any what, thought what? you might have on that, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, I petroleum products touch every aspect of our lives, and I I don't have the list in front of me. And I would encourage anybody that doesn't know um, to look up what all petroleum touches, and it would from your skincare to your tennis shoes to your you know you know we we use corn. We, we subsidize one industry with our food industry with with corn, right? You know, and um, and biofuels. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything specifically. But I would encourage anyone to to look up that list. I would say I wanted to say this earlier when when Stephanie brought this up. Um, I think it's um, it's very interesting. I almost think that it this environment that we've created is intentional to push another agenda Mm -hmm. you've got a group of people within this country that want high crude prices because if if fuel prices are high crude prices are high you know it shows our um reliance on them which um anyways I had a good thought, but it's passed me. But ultimately, what she was talking about was the transition. And there has to be a transition. It can't be immediate. You have, you know, people in this in this in this country that, that want it to be immediate, they want it now. And this is the effects of that, as you see this extreme volatility in this world. There's, you know, we're still trying to wean ourselves off of coal, right? You know, we've been doing coal for however many, you know, hundreds of years, you know. Um and I think as an industry, this entire industry wants that. They want alternative fuels. They want another avenue for, you know, fuel sourcing. But um, there's just a transitional period, and and we know that. And most of these companies out here in Midland and 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 uh, these large big oil companies, they're pursuing that, and they're spending real dollars to pursue that. But that does take time. And when you have this extreme um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Agenda that they have. Yes. Um, it creates extreme volatility, which really affects people like you and I, you know, and Ron saying, yeah. Well, folks, I, I'm going to jump in here for a second. We have, uh, we only have like four minutes. So I simply want to say, oh. <laughs> to tell you real quick, with raising expectations, it's, uh, it's your gifts that keep us on the air. And uh, thank you for those that do support a program each week, and we appreciate what you give and how you do support. That that address, there's a donation or a gift tab there. If you would go to that and give a gift, I know God will bless you and sure will bless us. We sure can use it. We uh, we try hard to keep it all balanced. BBSradio.com forward slash raising expectations. That's it. BBSradio.com forward slash raising expectations. If you'll go there, you'll be able to make a a gift donation. We sure will thank you for that. Keep us going. We're the greatest radio TV group there is anywhere. BBS Radio TV out of Woodlands, Texas now. They moved from the West Coast. They missed us, Paul, but not that much. They really enjoyed it in Woodlands, so they're enjoying Texas, and uh, that would help us immensely. 
Um, very quickly, guys, we want to we want to thank you. Y'all want to take a, a second to thank Jerry for being here and Will for bringing your friend with us. Stephanie from a mom's viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, thank, I mean, thank you so much. It's so interesting, and I I pulled up the list. I'm shocked what no, petroleum no. <laughs> touches. Wow. I had no idea. Um, so it's it's always great to learn other perspectives and what you know how things work because you only know what you know, right? Mm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I would say keep up the fight because we we need redundant systems so we're not dependent upon other nations and countries and yeah. You know. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I can only say I, I appreciate the, the work you do because uh, it's an industry. Uh, I have a, <clears throat> a couple of friends who are no longer in the industry <laughs> at all. They couldn't take it anymore, uh, and they've left. And unfortunately, they were men of God as well. And from my perspective, they don't listen to me, but every industry, and especially there, there needs to be some light there, and the Lord's shining. And unfortunately, they're not there. But thank you for being there, Jerry. <laughs> and Will, for, for pastors who uh, follow my heart and disciple men. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Praise God, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, hopefully, I cleared some things up and didn't just muddy the waters for you guys. No, great. Oh, no. My blood pressure's up. but uh, Never claim to be an intellectual. So I got some great... Can I take guys a, I, I'd just like to take a, a second just to uh about what we got, yeah. <laughs> just to refocus a little bit. Uh you know, Jerry, thank you for what you do. Uh, Will, we need godly men in godly places doing godly yep. things every day. You know, that, that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I just wanna I just wanna give a thought to uh to a young man, Bishop Evans, uh who was a yeah. Texas National Guardsman who uh lost his life 22 years old and uh, that doesn't get splashed around the media very much you know but uh to be in prayer for his family uh the sacrifice that that you know that he made uh in an effort to save a couple of people uh preliminary reports were that they were drug runners you know so the the irony of it all uh but uh just to pray for our nation to, you know, the Bible instructs us to pray for those who are in authority over us. Uh, part of the prayer that I mean, you know, bring godly people across their path to remind them of some things and share some insight, you know, and, uh, and just keep up the good fight guys. You know, Texas Amen. is a great Amen. place. Uh, California, uh, there's a bill. There's some, one of our brighter light bulbs in our California assembly has, uh, made the proclamation that he wants to see gasoline outlawed in by 2035 in California. So, and we're not going to be able to, so, so y'all come on out to California. We'll give you a free electric car. Uh, free electricity. Your demand destruction, Jerry. Anything you need. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Paul. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. God bless you, Jerry. We appreciate you. Bless Brandy and your children and your family and Will. We love you, buddy. God bless the whole family. And uh, we'll be talking to you. You guys are the best. Love everyone on here. And uh, folks, thanks for tuning in tonight. We're going to have to jump off, but we'll be back next week. Look forward to seeing you. Have a blessed week and keep on praying. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Friends. Thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, 
become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.